You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. On Thursday, July 23rd, Washington Post columnist Karen Tumulty spoke with Miami-Dade County Mayor Carlos Jimenez about his strategy for bringing Florida's most populous county through the coronavirus crisis. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Karen Tumulty. I'm a political columnist here at the Washington Post. And uh, please pardon the technical difficulties on my end, but I want to welcome you here this afternoon for our conversation with Miami-Dade Mayor Carlos Jimenez. Thank you so much, Mr. Mayor, for, for giving us some of your time today, which I know is very, very precious. Um, I, I just wanted to to start by asking you how things look right now. Florida has seen uh, within the last week some of the biggest increases in coronavirus infections, and Miami-Dade area is is the epicenter of Florida. So how are things looking at this moment? Well, actually, uh, today, the last week or so, we've uh, actually slowed the growth down, and we're also seeing the uh, contagion level, the Positivity rates start to to level off and start to actually go down. So those are those are pretty good. You know that's pretty good news uh, uh, so far. So it's not to say that uh, we don't have a lot of people that are going to the hospital. That we don't have a lot of people in the hospital. We do. We have about 2,200 people in the hospital. About 500 people are in ICU, and we have about 300 people on ventilators, which is much higher than it was say just three weeks ago. But uh, we saw a huge spike uh, the, about two to three weeks ago started that got us from like 800 uh, people in the hospital to about 2,000 pretty quickly. So I think we've leveled off uh, in terms of the spiking, and hopefully we're heading in the right direction. You know, when, when this whole pandemic uh, first began in this country, it really looked as though Florida was going to be spared, relatively speaking. And, um, you know, the governor started to to reopen the state in the middle of May. I mean, how, how did you feel about that decision at the time? And, and what does it look like in retrospect? Well, you know, the governor started opening up uh, other parts of the state because, frankly, they, they didn't have the same level of contagion that we had here in Miami-Dade. He allowed us to open up a week or two later. Uh, so he's given us a lot of autonomy down here to do different things that are happening in the rest of the state because frankly, things were different here in Southeast Florida. Dade, Broward and Palm Beach is where the uh, the bulk of these cases were coming from. And uh, and so look, we were down, uh, the, the gating criteria was 10% positivity rate for over 14 days. We were down into the seven, 8% rate. We started, we put together a, a whole group of different industries along with our medical advisors to see how we could start to open up in a safe way. We were very cautious in the way we did it. We've had a mask order here since April. We've uh, we've been giving our seniors and, and giving our seniors uh, food at home since March. We closed down our community centers, our elderly community centers. And so we felt that, the, and our medical advisors also felt that the way that we opened was safe and it had people complied with that. I don't think we would have been in where we are right now. I think a lot of it had to do with how we as a community, how my community, how you know we all kind of felt maybe that this thing was over. It's gonna and it was gonna summer's coming and you know people are telling us that summer's gonna be good and and you know I I, I just don't think that they complied with the orders and they kind of let their guard down and I think that's what happened. Uh, we saw a big uptick 
in the middle of June, which uh, probably started right around June, and there are probably a number of factors for that. And how do you rate the the federal response in in all of this? Uh, the president says that that state and local leaders are are getting everything they ask for from the federal government, everything they need. Um, I, I know that the, the the leadership really does have to be at the local level, but but how do how has Washington responded. Look, I think Washington has responded uh, the best they could. Uh, the uh, at, when everybody is asking for PPE at the same time, usually the the nation's uh, um, disaster response is not is not geared to a a full nation disaster response. It's actually geared to a disaster hits one state, one area, maybe two or three states at the same time, not fifty. And uh, and then this pandemic is, you know, hit uh, all of us about the same time. And then we had this this shortage of PPEs and other and other equipment. They you know, we got our share. We got our fair share. We never ran out of PPE. That's that's good. And people were were thinking we're going to run out. Never did. Um, So the federal response that I've I've gotten down here has been fine. I have no complaints about the federal response. I also know that, you know, you have to when something like this hits, there is prioritization, and then this thing really hit New York harder, much harder than it's hit Miami-Dade and early on. So a lot of the focus had to go to New York State, New York City, uh, you know, that tri-state area, because the uh, that's where the virus was and that's where the deaths were occurring, and you have to prioritize as a, as a nation. And so I, I have no complaints about the, the federal response. Uh, today, we just opened up another testing center, two more testing centers, pop-up testing centers that weren't there yesterday or here today. And I was with the uh, the U.S. Uh, Surgeon General, um, you know, uh, General uh, Adams. Uh, by the way, a terrific person. And uh, you know, he said, "Whatever is you, whatever you need, you know, we just just let me know, and I'll get it down there." So I'm going to take him up his word. Right now, we're fine, we're okay, and uh, we're getting the support that we need. And um, you know, one of the the big decisions that that every you know every state and and quite frankly, practically every set of parents in the country is going to have to make and over the coming months is the, the decision of sending children back to school. Um, the largest teachers union in Florida has, has sued the state to prevent it from reopening. Where do you stand on, on reopening schools and what threshold do you believe needs to, to be met before it's really safe to bring kids back to school? Well, look, every every community is going to be different. The level of contagion in every community is different. And so, uh, again, speaking with the Surgeon General, you know, today we agree that we need to l- bring the level of contagion down in Miami-Dade County below, you know, we're running at around 17, 18 percent right now, 20 percent. We need to bring that way below 10 uh, percent. And then when we do that, then we may be able to do, you know, maybe able to open up some schools in some capacity. I'm working with the superintendent of schools, uh, Alberto Carvalho, here in Miami-Dade. We have put together a a small task force of uh, medical advisors to uh, advise us as to what the proper course of action is. It's premature right now to say, are we going to open or we're not going to open because we don't know where this this virus is going to be four weeks from now when it's time to open schools. So we're not gonna do anything that is gonna put our kids in jeopardy. We're, and also, you know, we have to understand that even though, you know, kids may, may get this at a lower level, kids may even spread it at a lower level, 
you know, you have to, you know, take into account that these kids are going home to their parents. And in this community, a lot of them are, you know, three generations where you have parents and grandparents living in the same same household. Those parents and grandparents are much higher risk than the kids are. So it's not not just the kids that we're looking at. We also need to look at what are the ramifications of those children getting infected in school and then coming back and infecting their parents with the contagion level that we have right now. I'm not comfortable with that. And I think that's uh, that uh, is, um, you know, consistent with what the messaging I've heard from the federal government that different areas are going to be treated differently and should be treated differently because the, the virus is not is not uh, homogenous throughout the country. Certain areas are getting hit harder and certain areas are not getting hit as hard. And so it all depends on where you are. So as, as you um, talk to your medical experts and, and talk about the, the path forward, what does it look like to you? And, and what are some of the other really big decisions that, that state and local leaders are going to have to make uh, beyond opening schools over, over, the next, um, over the next few months? Well, look, here we have a curfew at 10 o'clock at night, and we did that to curtail uh, what we call social activity because uh, we, we felt that it was the social activity that really caused us to jump up uh, to from a from a uh, positivity rate that was hovering around seven or eight percent to over twenty percent, like a snap of a finger. I mean, it happened really quick. And so we have a, a curfew that obviously, you know, I eventually I, I, I'd like to you know remove the curfew, but not right now. Curfew ten o'clock at night throughout Miami-Dade County. Uh, we have uh, all of the what we call you know places of assembly like theaters, uh, movie theaters. Uh, casinos, uh, uh, you know, museums, uh, uh, banquet halls, those things where large numbers of people gather, they're all closed. And then we also close the interior spaces of restaurants. You can have a restaurant open as long as it's outside. Inside, you can't. And that, that really is, is a big industry here in Miami-Dade. And so what am, I, what am I looking at? I'm looking at trying to get the level of contagion down to a certain point and then, go, and then starting to reopen the county but again, uh, re-emphasizing that it's not over, that we all have to keep our masks on, that we all have to maintain social distancing, that we all have to wash our hands. And even in the home, we have to you know, watch out for one another because there could be a member of the household that is COVID-19 positive, doesn't know they're COVID-19 positive, and could spread it to more vulnerable members of the household. And so those are the things that, uh, that I'm looking at. Hopefully, you know, we are, you know, we've topped out on the positivity rate, topped out on our you know, hospitalizations and start to go down. Um, but if not, if it uh, starts heading north again, then there may be some other other measures that we have to take, but always doing that in consultation with our medical experts. You, you mentioned masks and you have been a big advocate from early on for people putting on a mask, you say that they, uh, they, would, they save lives. You've yep. even said that if President Trump comes to Miami, you want him to put on a mask. Um, are you finding that this is now finally being accepted, the, the, these recommendations by, by people? Or at, at, at this point, you know, it, should, should there be a national masking order? 
Well, again, look, just like in the state of Florida, there are different there are different levels of contagion uh, in the state of Florida, and and I'm sure across the nation there are different levels of contagion. So, I think those decisions are best left uh, to the local uh, leadership and local. You know, I'm the mayor of Miami-Dade County. I represent 2.8 million people. I am also a former firefighter and a paramedic, and so I know a little bit about this. Now, when this first started, uh, you know, everybody, the CDC, the best medical advice we got was do not wear masks. And that caused a little bit of confusion. And I think that the reason that they said do not to wear a mask is that they, you know, like, unlike any other virus that I've seen in a long time or ever, actually, uh, there's a high percentage of people here uh, that get the virus that, that display zero symptoms. They don't feel anything. They feel fine. Um, uh, upwards of 50%. And so... You know, the the uh, on a on a normal kind of uh, uh, disease, you get a runny nose, you stop coughing and all that, and then you're contagious. COVID-19 isn't like that. So the CDC had to change its recommendations. And now we have to assume that everybody is contagious and that I'm contagious, that you're contagious. Uh, we have COVID-19 and we don't know about it. And so we may be spreading. So the use of masks is very important. We've had the use. We've had a, a mask order here since uh, since March. Interior spaces. We had it for outdoors also. If you could not maintain a social distance, about three four weeks ago, we changed it to outdoors masks all the time, indoors, outdoors. We recently just passed some uh, legislation to also uh, do some civil citations concerning um, not only the use of masks but also all the other rules and regulations that we have put in place to make it easier for our police officers and our code enforcement officers to ticket people. And we've already ticketed over 100 people and I don't know, something like 40 different businesses and we've closed some businesses um, for not you know, adhering to the rules. So do I find it easier? Yeah, I find it easier because we're really homing in on it. We're really accentuating it and accentuating it. And, um, you know, and because that the, some people didn't follow our rules, it's uh, that's why we had to close some businesses. And when we close businesses, we're hurting your neighbors. These are our neighbors. They're, these are their jobs that we're hurting. And so it's a sense of community. Uh, my message is that I wear a mask to respect you because I don't know if I'm if I'm contagious or not. You should wear a mask to respect me. And then we should always wear a mask to respect the community because you're a member of the community. And it's not much to ask to wear a mask, keep your distance, wash your hands. And if we do that. We can beat this. Uh, we can beat this virus. Well, we have a couple of questions um, from our audience. In fact, from Florida, that, that I would like to ask you. One is from Bart Sullivan. You had mentioned earlier that Miami had had higher infection rates early on than than other parts of the state. Why is Miami the the epicenter of COVID in Florida? I think there's a there's a number of things. Number one, um, we have a lot of young people. Uh, we also have it's a it's a little bit different than maybe other parts of of the United States. Sixty percent of the people that live here were not born in the United States. I wasn't born here. I was born somewhere else. And we also tend to have a a much higher uh, I think percentage of of our families that are here. Uh, our families aren't spread out. I mean, my my children, my grandchildren, my cousins, they're all here in Miami. And we are a very family-oriented community here, and, and we like to get together. And I think uh, the reason why we, we are an international city, uh, we, we had a lot of people, initially we had a lot of people from New York 
that were here and we had to quarantine the folks from New York. Now they're quarantining the people from Florida up in New York. So that's the way things change. But um, yeah, because uh, we're an international gateway um, and, uh, and also we had a lot of travels from New York and we have this community and family uh, uh, that's a little, maybe a little different than the rest of, of the country. That's why you will, you would see that uh, we'd have a little bit higher contagion here in, in Miami-Dade. We, we're called the Gateway of the Americas for good reason. Uh, our airport has about you know, uh, 120,000 people or had 120,000 people a day traveling through it. Uh, and so you probably you know, had that. Uh, we were also the host of the Super Bowl uh, in February. And I'm sure that that brought uh, you know a lot of this, uh, a lot of the uh, COVID-19 infection into Miami Day too as well. So there's a uh, there's a number of factors of why we're um, we're the ones that are the, the center. We're also by far the largest county, and by far the, the densest county in the state of Florida. And and from Jim Turner, another Floridian, uh, you had mentioned earlier your um, your program that you started early, delivering meals to the elderly. Um, Miami-Dade does have a high percentage of an elderly population. What else are you doing to protect um, your older citizens who often have comorbidities with COVID-19? No, I know, I know the, the state's doing a lot with the uh, nursing homes and ALFs. Uh, that's under the purview of the state. And they've really kind of put a cocoon around the uh, nursing homes and, and the ALFs. We also didn't, you know, we, we, we saw what happened in New York. Um, transferring patients from hospitals into nursing homes. We don't do that. We do the opposite. We take them from nursing homes, put them in hospitals. One of the first things I did, I think my first order after I declared an emergency was to close all of the community centers here. And here in Miami-Dade, we have a number of community centers that, that are for the elderly where they actually, that's where they uh, socialize and they also get a meal. Uh, we closed all of them down, and then we started delivering meals to um, about 75,000 uh, elderly uh, elderly uh, residents of Miami-Dade on a daily basis. And so we've already we've already delivered millions of, of meals to the home to the elderly, so that they don't have to go out. Because again, we also say we're safer at home. So our message to the elderly is: you're safer at home. The more that we can keep you in your in your home and the more that you also, I know it's painful, keep away from family members that don't live with you, then the safer that you're going to be. And so so those are some of the things that we did here to protect our elderly. And, you know, we, we've had about 1,200 deaths here in Miami-Dade, but that's far, far, you know, less than than, uh, than what happened in New York and, uh, and New York City, even accounting for the difference in population. Like I said, we have 2.8 million people here. There's 8.2 million people in New York, but they've had a much higher uh, death rate per uh, per thousand in New York City and New York than we do down here in Florida and Miami-Dade. Well, I'm a political columnist, so I will be remiss if I don't ask you about politics. Right now, you're, uh, you are running for Congress uh, for the Republican pri nomination in a, a primary that will be held next month. Um, and if you win, you are going to face incumbent Democrat Debbie McCarcel Powell. Um, you have the endorsement of President Trump, even though in 2016 you had said you planned to vote for Hillary Clinton. I guess this is one of the few instances where the president is uh, willing to let bygones be bygones. Um, yeah. Do you think of yourself as a strong Trump supporter 
this time around and, and which parts of his agenda um, are, you know, are you most enthusiastic about? No, I'm a Trump supporter and I'll support the president, obviously. Um, and uh, the, the parts of the agenda that I support, I, I think that his trade policies, I think for a long time, um, the United States uh, was being taken advantage of uh, through trade policy. So I'm, I'm very happy to, to support that. He's uh, pro-police. I'm pro-police, uh, pro-military. I'm pro-military. He wants to uh, overthrow the, uh, get new uh, a new uh, government in Venezuela and hopefully a new government in Cuba and, uh, and Nicaragua. I am an anti-socialist, anti-communist, staunch, staunchly so. My parents came here when I was six years old from Cuba. So we know what socialism is uh, is all about. Uh, and so, yeah, I support the, the, the I would be supporting his economic policies. I think that he's got economic policies. Look, uh, down here in Miami-Dade, when I became the mayor back in 2011, the unemployment rate here was about 12%. Just before the pandemic, um, uh, the unemployment rate down, down in Miami-Dade was down to 1.8%. That was probably the lowest in its history. You know, that uh, that speaks for itself. And, and so, yeah, I'll be supporting uh, the president and, and his policies. Uh, of economic strength. Um, I also have a strong environmental record, and I believe that the only way to deal with the effects of climate change, sea level rise, is through a strong economy. And uh, and so I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be I'll be supporting the president. Uh, I am a um, I am a center right uh, Republican. Uh, I am a, a fiscal conservative, and um, and I've shown demonstrated that during my time as mayor of Miami Dade, we had the largest tax cut in Miami Dade County's history. Uh, we saved uh, close to two billion dollars of the taxpayer money with that. Uh, another two billion dollars in refinancing costs, and uh, and kept the, uh, the 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 tax rate flat for the last nine years. Here, we haven't had any tax increases, but we've increased our services, and we've increased our obviously our employment uh, situation here is much better. Um, and uh, and we've grown here as a community during that time uh, into one of the hottest, uh, if not the hottest, uh, and I'm not talking about just the temperature, I'm talking about state-wise, investment-wise cities in the world, and I'm very proud of the record that I've had as mayor of Miami-Dade. And, and is there anything that, that the president hasn't done or that you would like to see him do differently with with respect to the coronavirus? I mean, you know, the president is uh, needs, is is leading uh, on the on the coronavirus, but again, you know, it's it's so it's such a diverse um, what what this virus is doing in different parts of the country at different times um, makes it that it's the governors and the and the local leaders that have to respond. What we what we require of the of the federal government for any kind of emergency really is help when we need it. And one of the things that we have here in Miami-Dade that probably, you know, uh, makes, uh, gives us, kind of sets us apart from a lot of different areas is that, look, we face a disaster like every year. It's called a hurricane, all right? And we face hurricanes here every single year. And we are prepared for hurricanes. We're the best prepared county in the United States for hurricanes. We know we need to be self-sufficient for a certain period of time. But then when we require help, we expect that help to come from the federal government and the state. But... You know, we also understand that we have to, you know, take care of ourselves for a while. And so uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe that's just the way we are down here, that we kind of look to ourselves and say, we're going to take care of it. But what I expect from the federal government is support the, the medicines that we need. If I need additional personnel to staff more hospitals to get them open or get more rooms open, 
that's what I expect the state and federal government uh, to help us uh, help us with. And then any any kind of information data that may be helpful for uh, for us in, in making decisions here. That's what I expect from our state and federal partners. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Mayor, and we we very much wish you well as you continue to to try and get this this uh, this pandemic under control. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.